The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. Where is the upset? Because you know it's coming. College Game Day is in Boulder for an historic occasion. Plenty of picks coming, but there is one major theme in college football that trumps everything else. This is a College Game Day podcast for Friday, September 15th. Reese Davis here, Pete Thamel on assignment, doing a Caleb Williams story. We will get Pete's picks. There will be no malfeasance if he submits them one second after the kickoff of the first game on Saturday. They are null and void, and he's 0 for the week. Period. He was 4-6 and six last week, as I was. The great Stanford Steve, 6-4, and four, leading the way in the race for the ribeye. And he's two games over 500 for the season. Stanford Steve is here with us. And Steve, before we get into picks, I mentioned that there's one thing, there's a theme that's more important than any of the games. It's more important than, than the story of Deion Sanders leading the resurgence at Colorado. It's more important than Texas being back. It's more important than what's wrong with Alabama. It's more important than can Tennessee win in the swamp for the first time in 20 years. Here is the pressing issue in all of college football. Should Taylor be allowed to wear Maryland gear to the Maryland-Virginia game when his wife's nephew plays for Virginia? That's that's a tough one. I Are we going to see him post-game? Probably not. There's a chance, but I'm I think it's probably like an 85% chance that we do not. How many pictures are we going to take? Mm, if we're with him, there'll def- there'll probably be a picture taken. Pre-game with his with his parents, definitely a picture taken in the in uh, you know lot one. What is the what is the temperature gauge of the parents? Parents probably uncaring. Um, you know, to that a certain extent, sound too sure. You probably you don't sound uncaring. convincing at all. Probably uncaring. <laughs> I mean, you know, my wife, my brother-in-law, he's a pretty laid-back guy. Um, I, you know, I could see him not be. I'm not sitting with him in the Virginia section either, oh, so okay. that should be noted. All right, you're good. You're good. You think yeah. so? Uh, just have, just have them bring a, a, a an extra Virginia shirt in case Virginia pulls off the unthinkable. So you do have a Virginia shirt post game. Yeah, I'll just say, Steve. I told him. I told him earlier in the week. Just go base layer. You know, wear Terps drawers or something, you know, yeah. so that he feels good about it, but he's not, he's not aggro. I don't understand the upside of aggravating your wife and her family. Do you know that there'll be consequences beyond the game for that, mm. Taylor? Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're, my wife, we got a pack tonight. So we're going to have a serious discussion about tonight. Uh, one thing that's been proposed to me is it is a blackout. So just wearing there you go. just a black shirt. There you go. And there maybe maybe I'll wear a hat, and if we got to take a picture, I throw the hat in my pocket, and and that's it. Perfect. Case closed. Thanks, guys. Yeah. You're a big gear. You're a big gear guy, Steve. What? Who have you? Yeah. Who who have you? Who have you picked out for for Saturday? Well, we're going out west. We're out there, right, Reese? I'm not yeah. a wilderness guy, so the only thing to keep me comfortable out there. And you keep mentioning them because they burned you, or you didn't trust in them when it came down to it. Week one, and that's the old Laramie boys. So we're gonna have some Wyoming gear to rep out in the Rockies. I, I should be I should be ashamed and admonished. 
because they've been so good to me and Super Dogs over the years. So I just so think good. about the points you yeah. you would have got the W too. I know. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a catastrophic yeah. error in judgment and lack of lack of trust and and betrayed by the fact that I was very high on Texas Tech and still yeah. think that they're probably going to clip somebody. But now mm-hmm. with two losses already. Um, I know there aren't they aren't conference losses, but I, I have a hard time now seeing them be a, be a factor there with already with two losses. Now the increased pressure of no margin for error. I mean, they've got margin for error in the conference, but I don't know. I think they'll still clip a team or two that you wouldn't expect. They'll probably still get better. They're going to put up some points, and they're really going to be tough in Lubbock. But um, boy, you know what? On that subject, what a win for Oregon! What a win for Oregon at Texas Tech last Saturday night. Sort of lost in the in the Alabama Texas uh, attention, deservedly so. But that was a great road win, comeback, fight, answer every challenge. Great win for the Ducks. Yeah, I, I know, like I said, when a team goes on the road recently, like in an instance like that, I want to give credit to the team that won, just like what happened in Tuscaloosa. But going back and watching it. Texas Tech did it to themselves. There mm-hmm. were some some clock decisions I didn't agree with, and then going for two early. That 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 just I don't I don't get I don't get it. I don't like it. I just I don't know if there was just all that energy pent up and making a decision and getting a, overthinking too things too much. But uh, yeah, Texas Tech cost they got they got to get back on track fast. That's. That's a tough O. I, I thought they might be 0 and 2, as you did, or 2 and 0 mm-hmm. uh, before mm-hmm. the season. Now it's worst case scenario, 0 and 2. Not a, not a blemish on the conference record, but th- those are two uh, huge opportunities there that they let slip away. Before we make some picks, I'll go ahead and go into my annual rant about two point conversions. <laughs> I know that people have done these spreadsheets and the analytics and all of that stuff, yep. and you and you can do the things where okay, I know. If I go for two here, I'll know what I have to do later. I think that's ridiculous. Two-point conversions, go for two only when you have to and only when you can reasonably have a reasonable expectation of the number of possessions left in the game. So the loose rule of thumb is kick the freaking thing until the fourth quarter. Just kick it. Mm -hmm. Even – and even in the fourth quarter, this week as we go back through the Tennessee-Florida history, Butch Jones' decision a few years ago when they went up 12 in the fourth quarter to go ahead and kick the extra point is, you know, got a lot of criticism at the time because as the great Pat Dye, late great Pat Dye used to say, hindsight's 50-50, right? But you act like it's guaranteed that you're going to get yeah. the two. I'm actually okay with going up 13 because indulge me for a moment as I run through this scenario, right? Okay, you go up by 12. You decide to go for two. You don't get it. Okay, you're sitting on a 12. Let's say the score is 26-14. Other team scores, right? All right. Other team scores 26-21 because that's what they're going to do because the two doesn't help them. Other team scores again. As it happens, now it's 27, 26. What are they going to do? They're going to go for two, right? Mm -hmm. You still have a chance there, even if you're sitting on a 27, that a field goal can win the game, and at worst, a field goal ties the game, right? Yep. So 
the other one, if you go ahead and you go for the two, well, they can either they tie you or they can win the game right there. Yeah. So I don't think it's as much of a no-brainer depending on the time left in the game. Now, if they've only got time for two possessions or something like that, then maybe you go ahead and think about it to go ahead and extend your, yep. you know, extend your opportunity. It's not the absolute no-brainer that every time you're up 12 in the fourth quarter, you have to go for two. Time and mm-hmm. place. Anyway, that's a long way. I'm, I'm always like, kick it, kick it, kick it, kick it, kick yeah. it. And, and most pile up the points. I remember, last thing on this, I remember Joe Tiller, great as he was, blew a bowl game against Georgia. I don't remember the year or which year, but they, they missed one early, missed, you know, missed the kick early. So they spent the rest of the half and the, the time. or so chasing yeah. the point. They didn't get it. And then as it turns out, Georgia came back and, you know, just beat them by a couple. And if you, you went back in your mind, he said, well, if they'd, you got to imagine they would have made the extra points after that. Had they just made them, would have won the game. Take the point. Yep. Take the point until you have to go for two. That's the uh, impossible to make a long story short at this point, but take the point and move on. Maybe take the hook when you're making picks here. Are you ready to make some picks? Anything that you are particularly um, wary of, excited about when it comes to making the picks this week? Something you're really looking forward to. Well, we only have two ranked teams given less than a touchdown. So that really gets me excited. I, I cannot wait for Saturday morning to see the array of super dogs that will uh, – plenty of people could get back right back in the mix – as you did last week, right? And uh, I just missed a win, but we got a cover at least. So we got we got some on the board. Pat only got one point for the push uh, he had with Jacksonville State. But this, I get it. It's not sexy. It's not going to draw people to it. But these are the weekends I love because now we're you know we're learning more th- about these teams. I, I you know I I think you know we're going to see Colorado State already making a, a coach a quarterback change. You know, what's Alabama do after that uh, last last week that we were there for? I think there's a lot of questions still out there, and I, it's it's we still have all these great out-of-conference games. So I'm, I'm totally up for it. Uh, I, I think I think multiple ranked I – get, I get the big spreads. I think multiple ranked teams lose this week. Okay, that I'm, – I'm writing that down in the notebook right now because Saturday morning when we do the show, yep. I'm going to uh, – I shouldn't give you this heads up. We like for it to be completely spontaneous because I think people know, uh, you know, unlike a lot of television shows, there's no teleprompter out there. We just go, no. right? I mean, we plan. There's a there's a rundown. Some people call it a format. We call it a rundown. That's a guide about what the discussion topics are, but nobody scripts what they're going to say, right? Uh, you you no. think about it. You You gather your thoughts. You make notes on your thoughts, but you don't script mm-hmm. it. I like to surprise you. But that that's you're you're gonna need a number for me on Saturday Saturday morning. Okay. Number of ranked Ooh. teams that will go down to unranked opponents. I'm gonna get Marissa uh Dowling, our great researcher, on that too, because that's always something that I enjoy over the course of the early part of the season. The number of ranked opponents that lose to unranked opponents. Yeah. And how how that yep. compares how that compares historically. Weekend Preview is brought to you by Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Psst, the secret to winning game days this college football season is Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Visit Eckridge.com for dozens of simple, mouth-watering recipes to elevate your next tailgate. Now, 
Pete's not with us, as mentioned a couple of times in the last couple of podcasts, working on this Caleb Williams story. Can't wait to read it and to see it. Um, Going to be tremendous. But Pete has an obligation to this podcast. The obligation is that he make picks. The obligation is that there is no malfeasance, that he doesn't try to sneak around and say, oh, yeah, I, I, I picked Missouri. I had I them. Picked, you know, <laughs> I had them. I had them. So we're going to make sure that Pete's picks are handed to Taylor in some way, shape, form, or fashion, put out for all the world to see before the first kickoff at noon Eastern on Saturday. Taylor, are you up I will, for this? I will raise it, and they are given by the end of this podcast. That's that's how Pete. Pete, we know we know how we know how much he's on the authorities on the phone. He can answer a text from Taylor and get his picks in. So Taylor, okay. Taylor, he's Fair got enough. this homework assignment. That's all. Well, good news, everyone. I've got him. Oh. No way. Really? See? We've got him. I knew it. Oh. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Steve, you know what happened here, everyone? Steve. Steve bullied me into bullying <laughs> Pete, and honestly, the chain of bullying works. Hey, are, are you guys, I, I hate to admit this, in a past life, I often watched a soap opera uh, with with mm-hmm. my wife way, way back when. I don't really anymore, although Victor Newman on uh, The Young and the Restless is one of the great soap opera characters of all time. And by the way, the actor who portrays Victor Newman, a man called Eric Braden, is a very good personal friend of Stephen A. Smith, who also Mm. is a huge soap opera watcher. I think Stephen A. watched every episode of General Hospital for the last, you know, 40 years or however long it's been on. So the reason I said that was to say this, Taylor, you're going to make the picks. And here's what they do in soap operas when there is someone sitting in for an actor who is ill or uh, otherwise on assignment. So here we go. Portraying the role of Pete Thamel today will be Taylor Schwenk, Maryland fan. Okay. Now we're ready to go. Are you ready to put, are you going to do a Pete imitation or are you just going to give it to us straight? Well, Reese, I was on the phone (laughs) earlier with the assistant wide receiver coach at Illinois and I feel like that's mean. I, mean? No, I feel like I, I feel <laughs> like if every pick you make, you reference the um, the training intern that I spoke to earlier, the assistant wide receiver coach, the graduate assistant in the film study department. If you make every pick like that, that would be <laughs> podcast gold. So we're going to challenge your your creative your creative skills. And with that, let's make some picks. I, I, I submit that the order always be Pete last so that Steve and I can then evaluate your description okay. of delivering Pete's uh, picks. You got it. All right. Let's, let's get go. it started here. We got 10 games to pick. We're going to fly through them. Penn State, a 14.5 point favorite at Illinois. That kicks off at noon. Let's go Reese, then Steve. Okay, I'm. There is no way Illinois wins this game. Let's just get that out there. No chance Illinois wins this game. Penn State's a lot better than they are. But Styles make fights. Sleepy start early. 11 a.m. kickoff there. Illinois a little aggravated, and the fact that they've got a good defensive front, and Penn State's not necessarily going to run the quarterback. It's not like they're going to chase Jalen Daniels around as they did last week at Kansas. 
I'm going to go desperation, early start. Penn State, clearly the better team, wins the game, but doesn't cover. I think that half point's going to going to save me. I'm going to take Illinois and the points at home. All right. You mentioned it, Reese. The defensive front, but when I look at the numbers, they've given up 955 yards of offense to Toledo and Kansas. And you mentioned the the, the optics. Different styles of offense for those two teams. Yeah, no, no, no doubt, no doubt. That That's what I say. You mentioned desperation. You mentioned 11 a.m. local kick. It's it. They're begging you to take Penn State because of the numbers they've put up, scoring sixty three and thirty eight. Aller, this is the game I had circled all off season. I picked Penn State to make the playoff. I need to see him in this circumstance. I know Illinois is going to bring the fight. They're going to be better defensively. The question I have is Illinois' offense because they're going to have to score to in order to be in this game. Almar's shown flashes. But last week they forgot the game started at 7.30 Eastern and didn't show up until the second half. So they need to be ready to go at 11 a.m. local. I'm with you. Somehow, some way, Burt finds his team to hang. The question is, do they lead in this game? Are they already tra- always trailing and they backdoor it? That's what I think they could tell. I, I believe they have the lead in the first half and they hang around the rest of the game. I'll take the LINI plus the points. They will not lead past the 12-minute mark of the second quarter. I'm banking on kind of a backdoor. All right. Now we're getting ridiculously specific. (laughs) All right, go ahead, Taylor. Well, fellas, I was talking to uh, linebackers coach Andy Buh. I don't normally give up my sources, but he said to me, Drew Aller, do it on the road, okay? And that's what I'm going to challenge Drew Aller to do, and I'm going to go with Illinois right here and not save the graphic. I am uh I'm going to tell you that's pretty good but I'm also going to tell you that if I were Pete and sometime when I'm out and you guys mock me and yeah. imitate me I'm going to say one and done on the imitation though it was good though I do challenge you to bring up continue to bring up the assistant coaches which is which is a good bit You you also forgot Pete would Pete would have definitely mentioned Illinois brought two defensive tackles to Big 10 media day Oh, Ooh, yeah, good that's one, good. good one. That's, that's, that's definitely good. on our Pete Bingo card. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> the Pete Bingo card. That's great. <laughs> He's the authority, man. He's the best. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're getting mean over here. Let's go to Kansas State. Minus five, a five-point favorite on the road against Missouri. That kicks off at noon. Steve, you can lead us off. 
Yeah, this got ugly last year when Missouri went to Kansas State and sort of gave you a a look at what Kansas State was going to be the rest of the season. Something tells me Coach Drink's going to have his guys ready for this. I love what they have on the defensive front. It hasn't been pretty. Uh, They skated by a middle team last week that – I'm telling you, going back and watching Alabama and Middle in week one, I was kind of impressed with what Middle brought to the table. The, obviously, they were undersized, but they had a plan offensively. They had a quarterback that was decisive. They're they're a spunky team to keep your eye on moving forward when it comes to numbers and spreads and looking at that. Uh, but I, I, I'm I'm taking Missouri here plus the points. I think it's a field goal game. Kansas State doesn't that doesn't look like the Kansas State of old. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn's gone. But the run game is, has struggled, and uh, a lot has been put on Howard's plate. I think Missouri's ready to go early on, and I think they stay in this game. I'm going to take the points with the home team. Bill Connolly mentioned on Wednesday that Kansas State had been – there had been an inordinate number of three and outs. But if they pick up that first mm. down, they've been pretty good on offense, and the, they have lacked some explosion in the running game, which – might stand a reason with Deuce Vaughn being gone, even though the entire offensive front, the quarterback, uh, have you know returns for them. I feel like I'm being suckered into home dogs, so I'm going to go yeah. Costanza and go against uh, that little inclination and go with the team that I think is a lot better, plus the fact that they don't like each other. So I don't know that the no. early start, and Kansas State plays a lot of those early starts anyway, so I don't think that's going to be that big of a factor for them. Going on the road probably won't bother them, given the fact that they have so many guys who play in the Big 12 championship game. Not that that's a road game, but it's certainly a big stage and the Sugar Bowl. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay them. Uh, the SEC has had okay. trouble with non-conference, and when you're counting on uh, you know, Missouri – uh, you know, Missouri, Mississippi State to, say, to save your pride there. I'm, I'm not sure what that says, but I'm going to go with Kansas State, the reigning Big 12 champions, and lay the five points. What did Pete say? Pete Thamel's source inside the uh, the K-State locker room is Chili Davis, the special team's quality control <laughs> coach, and because of that, he's going to take Kansas State also, minus the five. Okay. All right. Next up, LSU, a nine and a half point favorite on the road at Mississippi State. That game also kicks off at noon. Reese, start us off. Okay, this one is really tempting. Mississippi State at home getting almost double digits again. But I feel as if LSU will be able to cover to cover that number. Um Will Rogers, sensational, record-setting quarterback, but a little bit of a different system. They've been a lot more balanced in running the ball. I'm not sure they'll be able uh, to do that against LSU. Saw some adjustments, uh, albeit against Grambling, and maybe the way Harold Perkins was used uh, the second game as opposed to the first game. Um, Boy, I hate going against a a home dog, no pun intended, with Mississippi State with that many points. But I'm – I'm going to take LSU and say that they and say that they're able to win it by ten. Yeah, this is a tough one when you look at what happens uh, with LSU. Great to see Mason Smith back in that lineup on defense for them. How does that defense go, look going on the road? That's what I need to see. We saw the corners get lit up. Uh, I didn't like what I saw from the defensive line from Florida State, but this isn't Florida State. What I will say here is I believe Garrett Nussmeyer comes to the rescue. For LSU, I Whoa. believe we see him. I think we, I believe we see him. 
in this game. I don't think it's enough. I'm going to take the home dog here, but I think we're going to see Mr. Nussmeyer here under center in the second half for LSU. Wow. Why? I think Daniels is going to struggle. And I, I just – this is one of those circumstances, Reese, where Brian is going to – he he has a short fuse. Those well, cowbells will be ringing in the first that's half. True. Yeah. And I I believe we're going to see Nussmeyer in the second half. I, I That's – think about all those things that Notre Dame back in the day, all the, oh, all the things that, yeah. he, that he created with the quarterback. This is a circumstance where I see them struggling early, where they need consistency throwing the football. I believe Nussmeyer gets under center. Whoa. What does Pete have to say? Pete, getting his intel from the assistant director of operations, Harris Biven, he went LSU for this one. <laughs> this is tremendous, Taylor. This, this is you're, you're, doing, you're doing excellent work here. What do you got next? Minnesota on the road at North Carolina. North Carolina, a seven and a half point favorite. This kicks off at 3.30 p.m. Steve, you can start us off. This is tough because this is total contrast. The styles, you think about the glitz and the glamour, the Carolina boys, and then you think about Minnesota just want to come down and muck it up. Uh, Carolina, back to same old, same old last week defensively against App State. As nice and as good as they looked against South Carolina, uh, they were back to their, their, their not winning ways, defensive winning ways against App State. Seven and a half, tricky number. But I, I have to take the quarterback in this situation. I went against them in week one. I do believe that Chiswick will have his guys ready for not as uh, exotic or or tough to defend uh, offense in Minnesota. Minnesota knows they know what they want to do. I believe that that'll help that'll help Carolina. I'm gonna hate the number, but I'm gonna lay it with with uh, Drake May. I, I'm gonna do the same thing for the same reason. The Appalachian State game last week from North Carolina was certainly uh, worrisome. You look at Minnesota yeah. and they did everything but lose the game against a Nebraska team, which is apparently cursed and ungood. Um, so there is this big part of you that can see PJ Fleck kind of, you know, grinding this game out, shortening it, yep. controlling the clock, They've got a great safety in Tyler Newbin, you know, who has a nose for the football, and Drake's turned it over, uh, you know, a couple times against South Carolina. Uh, you know, one was a deflection, but you know, you could see all of these scenarios where they keep it close, and then I say, do I really think they're going to keep North Carolina from scoring twenty-four points? The answer is no, and I don't see Minnesota, mm. you know, really getting into a back and forth with them. So I'm, I'm. I'm going to hesitantly lay it with uh, with Carolina and uh, the big quarterback advantage, too. What says Pete? We're going to continue flipping through Pete's little black book here. Tanner Snusted, a recruiting assistant for Minnesota, giving Pete good intel. He's taking the, the Gophers to win straight up. Wow. So, okay. see, see uh, Steve, Spicy. I will say this. You and I are tempted, tempted yet not able to have the guts to pull the trigger. Pete, on the other hand, says flat out Minnesota goes into Chapel Hill, wins. What what, what a feather in the cap of B1G if Minnesota beats North Carolina Oof. after the way the ACC has performed in the, in, yeah. the early, in the early going here. What's up next, Taylor? 
We have a, an enormous line here. South Carolina at Georgia. Georgia, a 27 and a half point favorite. Reese, on Wednesday's podcast, you, you pondered if that was a little too large. We'll go uh, Steve, then Reese. Yeah, this is uh, one of those matchups, too. It's got some feelings involved. You know, Reese, there's some feelings. You saw the antics last year of when Georgia went to South Carolina in crazy conditions. I don't know. I still don't know how Kirby's staff built that air conditioning unit that they ran to at the half to get under. But uh, our first time, you know, it feels like, you know, game day, I mentioned that, you know, on our on my note to the to the staff, we gotta get we gotta get the two top ranked teams. Now we know it. The scheduling gods, you know, came back and Georgia was supposed to play Oklahoma this year. Michigan was supposed to play UCLA. We didn't get that because of conference realignment. But I think it's a coming out party for Georgia. I, I looked at what South Carolina had on the offensive line, and then they lost a couple guys in the first half defensively against North Carolina. This is a coming out party for Georgia. I think they're going to put it on South Carolina. I think it's a long day for Rattler. I think we're really going to see the depth of Georgia and the versatility they have. I'm going to lay it in 27 and a half with Georgia. Make no mistake, this is going to be a blowout. 41-17 is a cover. 41-14 is a cover. 49-24 is a cover. I'm going to take the huge number. I think South Carolina is going to get whacked. Okay. But I'll take I'll take that take the big number. I think they'll pop enough plays uh to put a couple touchdowns on the board at least and so I'll take the 27 and a hook. So I was looking at Pete's notes. He was telling me that uh Del McGee, the running game coordinator, he actually built that HVAC unit with his bare hands. So because of that, he's going to go Georgia minus the 27 and a half. Hey, you know what the the thing is? You mentioned Del McGee. I covered Del McGee in high school when I was in local television. Del McGee was a terrific running back for Kendrick High School in Columbus, Georgia. They ran the wishbone for a coach called Buzz Busby. But the one thing they did not incorporate in their version of the wishbone was the quarterback actually pitching the ball because Buzz didn't believe in uh, didn't believe in taking the chance of fumbling the ball because he did not want to fumble the ball. And handing it to Del McGee was usually a, a really, really good option for Kendrick. Although they did put in a pitch when they played Peach County High School when they had a young explosive sophomore uh, by the name of Jacquez Green, who went on to be a star at Florida, mm. as you know. And, uh, well, mm-hmm. what do you think happened? Well, they fumbled. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember who won the game, but I do remember they put it on the ground because I'd been – various times teasing buzz you gotta think how good you guys would be if you actually fully ran the wishbone and um and then they tried and then they fumbled and then they probably just handed it off the rest of the time but del mcgee is a great source and also a a rising rising star in coaching and a good source for pete for sure next up washington a 16 point favorite headed to east lansing playing the spartans there that's five o'clock kickoff let's go reese then steve I talked extensively about the problems for Michigan State on Wednesday's podcast. And, you know, it's hard to know exactly whether that will be galvanizing or distracting. The other thing that's a little bit easier to know is whether it will matter. Um, Mm. Michigan State, you know, coming off a good week from Noah Kim, 
getting 16 at home feels like one of those things that's right in the historically vintage Sparty wheelhouse. You know, get some big shot in there, and you lay in points, you knock them off. They, Bill Connolly pointed out that Michigan State has done a really good job putting pressure on the passer, and they've been able to do so without blitzing. In the, in the offseason, uh, there was a lack of experience on Washington's offensive line, though uh, someone close to the program has told me how much they like their tackles, and so far that has proven to be true. Um, I'm going to go with Penix, those receivers, Washington's ability and Washington's ability to stop Michigan State, which I think they will be able to do. The turmoil in East Lansing right now, combined with the fact that Washington, in my judgment, is a vastly superior team, I'm going to take the Huskies and lay the 16. Yeah, this is another instance. We mentioned Drew Aller, uh, Reese, earlier, going on the road for the first time with this group of Penn State Nittany Lions. This is what, another instance. I want to see Penix. On that road, on the road with this team, uh, I thought Michigan State battled last year early on and hung around longer than I thought they would. But the outlier in this, you know, we saw how great of a play caller Steve Sarkeesian was, right? The week before that, we saw Mike Norvell, and I, I just call them assassins. They are, they are, they are not afraid. And I put Kalen DeBoer in that category of just not taking your foot off the gas. Uh, you know. When there's those third downs and, you know, you're looking to move the chains, whether it's being conservative, those guys don't do it. They're still going with their matchup because they want to keep the foot on the gas. That's what I want to see here with DeBoer against Michigan State. You mentioned all this stuff with Michigan State. Brutal spot. Really a good chance for that great home crowd and that great fan base they have to rally around their guys. And when I look at Michigan State, they've exceeded my expectations on offense. Uh, I get it. It's Central Michigan, but you put up 31 there in a tight game. And then Richmond's usually a really good FCS team, and they buried them 45-14. So I'm very wary of this, but I'm going to go with DeBoer with you. Uh, I just feel like the foot will be on the on the gas. Adunze's already got 14 catches for two 230-plus in two games. Um they're lethal, and th- th- this is their test. I know. Play- I think you were you were on them. Uh, the only concern you had about Washington was the offensive line. We'll see how good that offensive line is on the road here in East Lansing. But I'm going to lay. I'm going to. I don't like laying double digits on the road, but I'm going to do it here because of the combination with Penix and DeBoer. Yesterday, Pete called me to tell me he was blowing off the podcast. And then in mid-conversation, he did the bit where he took a phone call, but didn't hang up on me, like put me on hold, said, I'll be right back. I'm pretty sure he was talking to passing game coordinator at Washington, Jamarcus Shepard. Mm. Um, and then, you know, didn't call me back for literally an hour. I eventually hung up and just said, just call me, man. It's okay. He didn't have to put me on hold, but he's taking Washington in this one. <laughs> You've got a future, Taylor. You've got a future, kid. <laughs> Really good. We you do have to put like a precursor. To like all these names are fan or whatever, not official, or because people are going to assume that like these are really are Pete's sources. So we do have to have a precursor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I I hope it's obvious to everybody. Pete's going to be getting tweets like, "What the hell are these people talking about?" Yeah. This is like I, I would let me say I'll offer the disclaimer right here. We mentioned right at the top that portraying the role of Pete Thamel is Taylor Schwink, and he is. He's putting his own spin on the, on Pete Thamel as, you know, as a 
character. This is in no way intended to divulge any real sources, any similarities between any real person, live or dead, depicted in this podcast are purely coincidental and not meant to be taken completely seriously. We we do not have these sources from Pete, yet this has been this has been kind of fun. And in many ways, you might think we're teasing Pete and picking on Pete, and you'd be right, we are. However, it's also paying homage to Pete because as I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years and what, you know, I'm not just saying this because we're teasing him, but what a great guy. But the one question I've had for him, how, how do you maintain this number of relationships? It is, it is mind boggling. The number of relationships that he is able to maintain the trust he has earned deservedly. So it's, it's, it's a fascinating study and excellence at your craft. That said, let's go back to having some fun at Pete's expense. That's fun. So, <laughs> because I know you knuckleheads would do the same thing to me for sure. Well, Steve knows the like the number one rule of like radio and podcasting is if you're not present, you're a target. So <laughs> we're, just, we're just playing by the rules here. No big deal. That's right. Next up. Tennessee minus six and a half at Florida. That kicks off at 7 p.m. Let's go Reese then, Steve. Sometimes you have to do something for zero reason, right? I mean, sooner or later, Tennessee's going to win in the swamp. They haven't won since 2003. Gotten off to a little bit of a slow start, and Florida looked abysmal. Not because Utah wasn't better than them. They are. They're a lot better than Florida. But Florida looked sloppy, disorganized, and still for some reason, home in the swamp rivalry game almost feel like if you know if you're going to stand up and do anything this season, this is going to be this is going to be it. After you know yep. after that start on the big stage, if you're going to stand in there, you might as well stand in against your rival. And I'm I'm going to take Florida in the points. I don't know if they'll win the game, but I'll go with the home dog here. And this has a chance to be in the running for the worst pick I could possibly make. I've got zero confidence in Florida. I've got zero reason to take the Gators and the points, even in a close loss. And yet, for some reason, maybe it's just 20, 20 years of visits to the swamp from the Big Orange, but and really more than that, but 20 since they've won. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just that, but I'm going to take Florida in the points and just you know spin that wheel of fortune, as it were. I'm going to agree. I I love the situation for Florida. I get it. It's been ugly. But when I go back and and, and look at Florida, Reese, this is a team, Vegas at at the beginning of the year had a a win total of five and a half. And I wasn't expecting much at all. I actually thought it was Uh going to be worse against Utah. And they moved the football. The mental mistakes of fourth and one three times really, really cost themselves. And I – with that home crowd going to the swamp, the combination of Tennessee not looking right offensively. Joe Milton got more hype than anybody coming into the season. To my expectation level, he hasn't backed it up. Is he going to go into the swamp against a, a, an absolutely motivated and desperate team and, and win by more than a touchdown? I'm going to say no. I'm going to take Florida plus the points. I think they have an excellent chance to win the game. They they. Like I said, the offense exceeded my expectation. That's what worried me more about that. I'm not worried about Florida's defense. I, they have talent. 
that home crowd will be involved. They'll make things uncomfortable. I think Mertz has to obviously play well and 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 get and complete passes to keep Milton off the field. And I believe they do that. I think Napier has a good plan, and I believe in the Gators at home plus the points. Pete is going to save a graphic for us. He's going to take Tennessee and. His source on the Tennessee coaching staff is Rhett Brooks, the assistant director of football sports performance. I think he likes Rhett because Pete wishes he was a Southern guy, so he likes a good Southern name, so he's going to gravitate towards a guy like Rhett. Next up, BYU at Arkansas. Arkansas, an eight-point favorite at home. That kicks off at 7.30 p.m. Let's go, Steve, then Reese. Uh, Not your typical BYU team. We saw Arkansas go there last year and give it to them. I think it's a big spot for KJ. I do worry about the receivers as conference play starts for Arkansas. They have not shown the ability to separate and make windows tougher for KJ. But like I said, this is a big spot for Dan Enos uh, at home. You get, you know, it's a return matchup after a weird road trip in the middle of the season last year to go to Provo. Now Provo has to come to Fayetteville. I'll take Arkansas minus the points. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the same. Uh, KJ Jefferson put it on him last year. Big night, five touchdown passes, threw for three sixty-seven. Uh, this, uh, how about this? A Big Twelve SEC game, another opportunity for, uh, for a team to knock off a team from the SEC. The you know BYU scuffled around on offense a little bit early on, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say home crowd, better team. I'll I'll say Arkansas is able to get out of there with uh, with a win bigger than eight. Pete's taking those points on the road with BYU. Uh, he got a phone call from Alfred Papunu. <laughs> when he was uh, having dinner with Ryan McGee, as he described on Monday's podcast, and simply walked out of the restaurant mid-dinner to take a call from Alfred. So All right. uh, that's how you know he's a reliable source here. Next up, we'll do uh, we'll do Pitt, a one-point favorite on the road at West Virginia. The backyard brawl, 7.30 p.m. I love the backyard brawl. Let's go Reese, then Steve. I love the backyard brawl also. We were there on Thursday night last year when they renewed that series. They should play all the time, should do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to play. Um, this is really a, a big spot for Neil Brown mm-hmm. after the loss to Penn State, which certainly was expected. No one necessarily expected them to win, but he, he needs something positive to go in, in his favor. I'm going to take the home crowd getting a point and say that West Virginia finds a way to pull it out against a, a Pittsburgh team that you know, coming off, you know, coming off the loss last week, both teams sitting there one and one. I guess I'll go home crowd and take and take West Virginia to pull this one out. Because actually they played a little better against Penn State than I thought that they would. Totally agree. That that's what I'm going off of here. This is the real backyard brawl when it's at West Virginia. The 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 uh, the passion, what they bring, their loyalty to their team is something that I appreciate. But, man, West Virginia is a team that every time I lean in and take, they never back me up. But I'm still going to stick with them here. Give me the Mountaineers. I expect a crazy environment. It's not going to be pretty. Both these teams, I think they're a struggle on the offensive side. But I like West Virginia's uh, ability at home, juiced up crowd, night game, the way it should be. 
uh, for a backyard brawl. I just hope they wear their traditional uniforms. Uh, that would be a nice help for West Virginia. I'm not asking for the old Major Harris face mask or anything, but just, you know, the traditional uh, mustard pants, gold pants, whatever they call their gold. I can't keep track with all these schools with the different yellows, but give me the Mountaineers at home. I believe it's old gold for the uh, for the Mountaineers. And what's pants? Uh, mustard? Yeah, just something gross. Yeah. <laughs> as long as P- as long as Pitt got rid of the gold, the gold was awful. Remember, uh, remember, Bill Stewart always used to talk about the the blue and the old gold. You know, that's right. Oh man, how are you going to invoke Bill Stewart? <laughs> Whoo, gotta listen. If you have, if you're a West Virginia fan, you should listen to that pregame speech before you head to the game. That's a that's an all timer mm. right there. Pete Thamel, he covers all his bases. He was talking to Dr. Sofia Espana Perez, the <laughs> clinical and sports behavioral health therapist. She gets in the mind of these guys. She was really feeding Pete some good info. He's going Mountaineers, uh, plus the point there uh, at home. <laughs> Steve's over the bit here. Your skills of finding obscure staff members on the internet on the fly is unparalleled. Very, very impressive. Last game for the day, TCU, a seven and a half point favorite at Houston. That kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern. Steve, start us off. Last week on the show, Reese, I gave out a last stand pick, and I promised I wouldn't mention them if they didn't win, and that was Northwestern. They got the job done against UTEP. I shouldn't because of what I saw against Colorado and just a wet paper napkin defense. I believe both teams have wet paper towel defenses, in this game, I'm going to lay him with TCU. I don't like it. I don't love it. Uh, but I, Houston's a team that is just so uh, – last week was so predictable after getting that win against uh, UTSA and then coming back and losing to Rice. Uh, I, I think TCU learned a lot about themselves. I do trust that coaching staff um, with Sonny in charge, and I think they – they were humbled in a big way against Colorado. I expect them to come out big time here. That offense still scored points, and that's where I'm going to go. The offense is a difference in this game that won't have a lot of defense. I'll take the seven and a half. I'll lay the seven and a half with the purple. First Big 12 game for Houston. Yeah. Too, after moving into the Power right. Five conference, had the weird game in which they kicked the Bayou bucket after, you know, looked as if they were mm. going to get blown out. Then they come back, and then they get it to overtime, then they lose against Rice. Sort of the, the quintessential Houston game, it seems. If you looked at the number of times they squandered leads last year or rallied and then you know it didn't go their way at the end. I, I just I understand what you're saying. Um I, I don't know which way to go on this. I want to take the points with Houston at home, but and I know Rice is much improved. I think uh, your guy Mike Bloomgren is is a good coach in a difficult circumstance, and I think they're very much improved. So I don't want to, you know, get too hard on them because they lost to Rice, like maybe you would in in years past. But man, I don't. I I just can't. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reluctantly reluctantly lay the points with TCU. I just, I just can't, uh, I can't do it with Houston right now, even though there's a lot in me that wants to with what I'm sure will be a revved up crowd landmark moment, uh, for the program's return, yeah. uh, you know, to a, a power conference. I want to, and I, I do not trust TCU at all right now. Um, but I'm maybe they can earn it back. So I'm going to lay the seven and a half reluctantly. 
Mookie Carlisle, defensive analyst, has been whispering in Pete's ear all week. He's going to be whispering in his ear regardless of the uh, of the outcome here because of Steve calling his defense a wet paper towel. So mm-hmm. uh, Pete's going TCU with this one, but he's going to hear it from Mookie next week, I'm sure. <laughs> Taylor, that was that was just a really strong effort. I hope uh, Pete takes it in the in the good humor in which it was intended. And we did not divulge any Pete Thamel sources in the making of this podcast. It was purely teasing Pete because of his uh, difficult work schedule this week. He was unable to join us for the picks, but we appreciate him submitting the picks and getting them into Taylor so that we could have a little sport uh, at, at his expense. So good job coming up with all of those contacts. You know what the funny thing would be? He won't have to divulge anybody. I hope you wrote those down someplace, or if not, make a log of them. And some of them were so far off the beaten path. I'll bet you Thamel knows a decent percentage of the people. I know he knows Del McGee, so there's one. And anybody else that's on staff probably knows. But when you went way down to the mental conditioning uh, staff, I'd like to know the percentage of people that you referenced does Pete actually know. I'll bet it's a ridiculously mm. high percentage. We'll go we'll go through them next week on the pod. It'll be a fun bit. Let's, let's do that. On gap, Monday, let's go through them and we'll just play Do You Know This Person? And <laughs> just just throw it out there. He's gonna listen like, to this too, so he's gonna he'll, he'll be prepared. Oh yeah, he'll be ready. And if not, maybe he'll get he'll get to know them. You know, one final thing, these connections. We play this game sometimes on college game day basketball with uh, with Seth Greenberg, you know, who's the coach at some obscure school out of the 300 or whatever. And it all started because we were sitting around a table and somebody said, uh, you know, after a game day or after a game one night, said, do you know every coach? And he said, I, I, most of them or whatever. So we just started firing random names. And if he couldn't pull the name immediately, he would go, wait a minute. This guy, yeah, the guy that's there, I, I worked with him in an Adidas camp in 1997, and then you know there was this in connection, and boom, he would, he would work his way to the name, and it was a fascinating, fascinating trick. I'll bet, or not trick, a bit of knowledge, resource of reservoir of knowledge. I'll bet Pete, I'll bet Pete does that with somebody that we least expect of all of these names. That would be my guess. We should have no we doubt. should have the the race for the hamburger and all of us see who gets closest to the number of uh, of people that Pete actually knows and the loser has oh. to buy the winner's hamburgers or something. I'll say he's over well, fifty. There are ten here. There are ten there. Yeah. How many? How many? Easily. How many does he? How many does he know, Steve? How many would you say? I think it's closer to seventy. Yeah, probably so. Taylor, you you were the one putting the position to have to do that. How many do you think he knows? Uh, I'm going to say four. We went pretty deep here at the end. So I'm going to go four. You went, you went deep. You did. Steve said seven. 70%. I'm going to go 70%. So seven out of 10. I'm going to say, I'm going to say he knows six. Okay. Okay. I'll say he knows six. We'll get our answer on Monday. I I, I do have a request and maybe this will get the, uh, he might be already gone. Last week, Caleb Williams threw an unbelievable 75 yard touchdown to Brendan Rice. I would love to see Pete just stand at 75 yards and catch that pass. He doesn't have to do the running. Just stand there and catch the pass from Caleb Williams. That's that's what I need to see. If you're with Caleb Williams, you got to catch a ball from him. I want to see Pete's skills. He's got to put the he's got to put the phone down though. That's that's the key. 
Yeah, the ball will be sailing toward him. Wait, I have to take a call from Puka Nakua. Who, <laughs> right. by the way, how about how about Puka in the NFL showing up? I yeah, I couldn't help I but laugh. I also Reese, I'm watching late night Auburn and Cal uh, late night Saturday, and I and I just had to chuckle myself about the culture shock for the people from Auburn and what they saw out in Berserkly. But then thinking about you telling me your story about your mom's first time to Dreamland Barbecue for a little culture. (laughs) Like, just the hospitality is a little different in different places (laughs) of the world. And I just, I'm sitting there at whatever it was, one central, just chuckling to myself. Um, Actually wishing I did have some more Dreamland ribs. But uh, yeah, it was, I'm, I'm waiting to see some social media posts from Auburn people. Uh, because that place is as different as it gets. To to let the people in on it, my mom, who you know, who grew up in Alabama, she was not a stranger to, to barbecue places. But the first time that we went to Dreamland when I was in school at Alabama, she hadn't been there. She didn't really you know know about it because my my parents you know weren't fortunate enough to go to college, so you know they didn't know. So I discovered this. I took them there, and it was crowded like you couldn't believe. So when they when we get a table finally, they pull a garbage can, a giant with a giant garbage cans up to the side of the table. And the the person puts her arm at the end of the table and just rakes all of the rib bones, the sauce, the paper plates, everything just rakes it into this giant vat of garbage right beside the table. And then says, you know, what do you have? Basically, what do you want? We ordered right there. My mom was appalled. She, she, I'm not even sure. She subsequently learned to enjoy the food, but she was uh, never a big fan. And look, things have changed a lot at Dreamland. This is, you know, 40 years ago or whatever, 30, 40 years ago. Oh. And, uh, but it, it was, it was different. She was appalled and maybe, maybe there was similar culture shock for some of the Auburn fans who made their way to Berkeley last weekend. Be interesting to see if, uh, if Auburn gets it going. My, my son, who, who I mentioned my daughter rooting for Alabama earlier in the, uh, earlier in the podcast this week, my son roots for Auburn. And he told me, he said, uh, he said, I don't really know the rhyme or reason for why they're putting in a Peyton Thorne or Robbie Ashford at the time. If they do, he said, maybe they know because I don't, I don't quite get it. They're just kind of like, hey, you go try this play. You know? so, but, hey, he was a mad scientist. You never know. <laughs> so, yep. Oh, man. All right, Steve, that was fun, my friend. And uh, we appreciate Pete for his good humor, too. So thanks for listening to the College Game Day podcast. Subscribe. That's the easiest way to make sure that you never miss an episode. Good luck on your picks this week. I know we'll need it.